welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Ali Mashadi, who is on a mission to make great books happen and help authors reach more readers. A best-selling author and expert publishing consultant, Ali has served both small and big five publishers, including Simon & Schuster, where she acquired and edited books for the Touchstone and Fireside imprints. Her client list includes authors publishing with such companies as Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, Rodale Inc., Chronicle Books, Kaplan Publishing, Sourcebooks, Sunrise River Press, and Hay House, as well as independently published bestsellers. Ali leads a diversified team of editorial professionals who work with authors to write, edit, publish, and sell their books. You can get more information about her company at her website, thewritersally.com, and AllieMachati.com. Allie, welcome to the Skill Bites Show. We're so delighted to have you join us today. Thanks, Judy. It's my pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. So give us a little bit about your background. How did you get into the publishing field and helping people with their books? Well, um, I am one of those either, uh, depending on how you feel about it, very lucky people or very annoying people. Um, I always knew I wanted to work in book publishing. Um, in fact, my parents loved to tell stories about how when I was a little kid, I would tell people uh, that one day I would grow up to be both an author and a lawyer and an editor at Simon & Schuster. I swear to God, I actually said that. Um, I don't know how I learned what a book publisher was <laughs> or who Simon & Schuster was, but that's what I used to tell people as early as uh, first grade. And my whole academic career, you know, I was an English major, I was editor of the school paper, I wrote, I published, um, and when I got to college and was ready to graduate, um, I again got very fortunate, and I sent, you know, resumes uh, to various departments, and at first I didn't get any responses, and then I called to follow up with uh, an HR person at Simon & Schuster, and she just happened to pick up the phone. I just caught her at the right moment, and there were some editors there um, who had recently been promoted to a level where they could have an, uh, an assistant. And so they were hiring and she asked me to come down within a week. I hopped on a bus and I got down there and it was interviewed and uh, the glorious summer vacation I had planned for myself never got to happen because I started work at Simon & Schuster immediately. Wow. So did you wind up going to law school at some point and become a lawyer for them too? I didn't. I didn't. That dream, uh, that dream definitely fell by the wayside. At some point, I realized that was a, a lot for one person to try to do. But okay, as they say, two out of three ain't bad. Indeed. The author and, and working for Simon and Schuster. Yep. Yeah. Very good. So you have um, built up some expertise in helping your authors find literary agents. 
Yeah, so as a consultant, um, I often speak at conferences and also do one-on-one -on -one consultations uh, with authors to try to help them figure out the best way to publish their book if they're interested in the traditional route. Uh, literary agents are often a big part of that, and so educating them a little bit and giving them personalized advice on what they might need to do uh, in order to prepare or increase their odds in that process. Um, and then, of course, my editorial team works with authors on their submission packages, so things like query letters, book proposals, uh, as well as complete manuscripts. Well, if you could educate us a little bit, why do you need to go through a literary agent? What role does the literary agent actually serve, and why can't authors just go directly to the publishers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so let's define the role first. Uh, a literary agent is a professional who agrees to represent you and your interests, kind of like a combination of a manager and a lawyer. Um, and the real value that they bring to the relationship is this is a person who has lots of connections and access in the book publishing world. And they have the knowledge to sell the rights to your book to a publisher. They negotiate the terms of that deal, including the contract, which is where the legal expertise comes in. And then they serve as your advocate throughout the process. So even as you're, uh, after the deal is made, if you hate your cover or they start messing with your publication date or whatever, um, the agent serves as an intermediary. So for all of this, uh, they typically get a percentage of the income earned from the book that they are representing and the industry standard by the way, is about 15%. It is 15%, it is not about 15%. Um, so as far as submitting directly to publishers, you know, the first thing is authors can submit directly to publishers, but it depends on the situation. So the biggest publishers, the big, what we call the big five, um, and also many mid-sized publishers, on their submission guidelines will say something like, we do not accept unsolicited or unagented submissions. And that means that if you do not have an agent and you submit directly to those publishers, you will go directly into what we call the slush pile. And if that happens, you may not ever hear from them again, or you may just get one of those, uh, you know, feared and, and hated form rejection letters. And the reason for this is that these large publishers simply have so much of a volume of people who want to be published with them that they really need an extra level. We call them gatekeepers. So they rely on those agents with whom they've built trusted relationships to become those gatekeepers in the sense that they're going to be the first like line. They weed through the millions of submissions that come in every year and they choose the ones that they really think are marketable, that they really think have a chance of succeeding. And then they present those projects to the various acquiring editors uh, with whom they have a relationship because they believe those projects meet a certain standard and also hopefully are in line with whatever that editor typically publishes and likes to work on. Um, so that's a really important role too as far as that relationship goes. The, the publisher knows if it's coming from an agent, it's going to meet a certain standard. And because they know each other, they're going to know that you know this editor really likes uh, very scary, gory horror novels while this editor likes uh, more psychological thrillers. You know, there can be sort of finer differences. Mm -hmm. So the agent navigates, navigates that and, and really knows. Um, however, there are definitely many small publishers and again, some mid-sized publishers who will accept unsolicited or un unagented submissions. So you don't always need an agent. It's just really important that authors uh, are sure to read the submission guidelines carefully. 
Right, and even if one of those publishers will accept unsolicited submissions, it sounds as though a literary agent could be pretty valuable. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, sometimes authors will have an agent in any case, um, but also what can sometimes happen is an author will try to Know, save themselves a little time and skip a step. If they know they want to submit to publishers that don't require an agent, they'll submit first. And if they get interest, they can then approach a literary agent and say, hey, I've got an offer from this publisher. I'd like to bring you in to negotiate the deal. And in those kinds of situations, often the agent will also accept a smaller percentage. But it can be very helpful to have uh, that, that professional set of eyes on a contract. Um, you know, if you're not a professional negotiator, that can be tricky sometimes. You want to make sure you get the best deal and the best terms and protect yourself. Right, because a literary agent has that familiarity with the industry standards, the terms of the deal, so that um, you might find something perfectly acceptable and the literary agent could say, no, 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 that, that's not standard. You need to have this other provision or something like that. Absolutely. Um, there are also things uh, that publishers will sometimes say is a part of their boilerplate. So meaning this is a term that uh, we offer to everyone. And agents will also often know you know, it's, it's sort of like code. They'll know like, okay, they're telling us this is non-negotiable, but I know for a fact that, you know, we negotiated something better for another client. So we have some wiggle room here. Um, or likewise, there might be something that you think is totally unacceptable that, you know, for one reason or another, it, it is actually boilerplate. It is something that is non-negotiable and, and is perhaps very common or standard in the industry. And an agent will also know that. Right. Okay. So if you do want to find a literary agent, how do you go about finding one? There are a lot of different ways to find an agent. Um, one of the most common ways, of course, is to hit the library and look at these large reference books like the Writer's Market. Uh, is a very classic guide. Uh, there's also the Guide to Literary Agents, uh, also published by Writer's Digest, but a little more specific than the Writer's Market. Um, very similar types of databases are now available online. I think both of those books have online subscription versions, but then, um, you know, you can just Google things like literary agent for health books, as an example, and there are many different places. Some require a subscription fee, um, and they offer certain levels of vetting or guarantees as a part of that. Others are perfectly free, and it just includes information. So, you know, there's really lots of ways to find the information, um, but I personally don't feel that's the most effective approach um, because you're just like every other person out there who's making a list from a book or, or a website and then, you know, sending out dozens of, of you know, it's like cold calling, right? They don't know you. Um, so while I definitely encourage people to try that approach, I do think it's also a really good idea to back that up with something that's a little more hands-on. So for example, um, like if you're hiring any type of professional, what's one of the first things you do? You ask your friends, right? Uh, you go on Facebook, you go on to um, your writer's group, Maybe uh, you belong to Facebook groups, maybe you belong to groups on other platforms, Goodreads, what have you. Um, ask around, ask author friends, ask writing communities, tell them what kind of book you're writing, ask if they uh, know of any agents in particular that they think would be a good fit. 
that they really like or have heard good things about, that's a great place to start. Another good way to find some agents that might be appropriate for your book um, is to look at other books like yours and check out the acknowledgments. You know, many times authors will thank their agents in uh, the acknowledgments of their book. So sometimes you can get really specific if there's a book that you particularly admire, something that really inspired you, or, or you know, likewise, something that you feel is a competitive title, you know, a book that targets the same audience as yours. Um, see who represented that author. That might be a good agent for you to consider. And my favorite piece of advice at all, of all um, is to try and attend live pitch sessions or conferences that offer one-on-one -on -one appointments. A lot of agents uh, and even editors at publishing houses where they don't necessarily require you to have an agent will travel around the country and, and go to these events where they might speak on a panel or they might do a workshop or they might not speak at all, but the event will offer for a small additional fee the ability for attendees to schedule a private appointment. It might be 15 minutes, it might be half an hour, it can vary, but it can be a really wonderful opportunity to sit down face to face with somebody um, who represents your type of book. You know, you, you don't want to just talk to anyone, you want to make sure it's an agent who actually is looking to acquire in your category, of course. Um, but to be able to sit down and really talk to them about your project, often what will happen is if they're interested, they will then invite you to submit to them. So when you go home and send that query letter and the first line says, hey, I met you last week at the such and such event, that's immediately gonna put you at the top of the pile. They're gonna remember you, you're a real person. You're gonna get a warmer response. So even if they ultimately end up passing on the project, you're much more likely to get actual feedback as opposed to just a form rejection. If they really like it, but they just don't feel it's a good fit for some reason, they might suggest other people to try. Um, so, you know, that kind of approach, even though it can take a little more effort, I think can sometimes yield better results. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. How would people find out about those conferences and pitch sessions? So there are two pitch events that I would mention in particular. Um, one is a Writer's Digest conference. I think it's called the Writer's Digest Writer's Conference, I believe. It's in New York City every August. And one day of that conference is purely pitch sessions. Uh, it's at the New York City Javits Center, which if any of you have ever been there, it's an enormous conference convention center. And it, it's like speed dating. They essentially get all the agents and editors who are participating in a, a giant line of tables. And you get a list of who's going to be there in advance. So you can decide who it is you want to speak with. And you just get online. And you, you wait online. And when it's your turn, you get to pitch to that person. And you get to pitch to as many people as you can get to in a day or until you pass out, <laughs> which can be um, a really good way to make very uh, efficient use of your time and speak to a lot of people at once. So the Writer's Digest uh, Writer's Conference in New York in August is one. And then there's an online version, um, which is still pretty good. I think live, uh, even in, in this digital world, is always better. But uh, sort of a similar effect is called the pitch slam. So they can just sort of Google pitch slam um, and find out a little bit more about that. So those are two of that particular type. Mm -hmm. And as far as conferences go, um, you know, there are numerous sites. You can just Google writers conference. Dallas, Writers Conference, you know, Midwest, whatever it is, wherever you live, um, just find out 
where writing conferences, writers conferences are happening near you. And each one of them will typically have a website where you can find out more. And what you're looking for is one-on-one -on -one appointments or pitch sessions. They will specify that they have this special uh, opportunity and it'll tell you how to sign up for them and what it costs. Great. And roughly how much do those cost? It really depends usually on the conference itself and how long the event or the, uh, the meeting is for. I've seen them uh, offered for as little as $15 and as much as $100. So there's, there's quite a bit of variety. Okay. How do you actually determine who, that, who you want to talk to? I mean, yes, you want to talk to somebody in your genre, but beyond that, are there some characteristics that you feel the author ought to be considering in narrowing down who the best literary agent would be for them? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, so I mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily want to just talk to anybody because if you approach a literary agent that is not at all interested in your types of books um, or is not taking on new clients, you know, that happens sometimes too. They, they certainly have a, a limit of how many people they can really effectively represent at any given time. Um, it, if they're not somebody that's interested in your type of book, it, there's a total waste of time really to talk to them. They're not going to be able to give you um, what you're looking for. So that is definitely the, the first two criteria. Are they looking for new clients? And do they represent books like yours? Um, and to be clear, when I say book like yours, it doesn't have to be exactly like yours. It just needs to be, you know, in the ballpark. If, if an agent only represents uh, historical romance, you're not going to pitch them your business book right? Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. So yeah. that's like top level. Um, but beyond that, there are definitely some things you want to do and, and look for to make sure that the agent is reputable. Um, you know, again, as with hiring any professional, you want to do your due diligence. Ask about recent projects sold that are like yours, which will give you some indication of what kind of network they have. Um, so I mentioned earlier that a big piece of the value agents bring to the table is that they have relationships. They know editors at different houses and they nurture those relationships so that when they get a project in, they can immediately say, oh, I know, you know, Susan over at Random House will absolutely love this project. I'm going to submit it to her. Um, so asking about recent projects sold that are sort of like yours will give you some sense of how active they are in your category and what, how strong their network is. And also, you know, it's like a resume, right? So ask them like who they represent, what they've sold. Um, Certainly, if you get uh, to a point where they offer you uh, representation, you can ask to speak to another author client. It's not something you would do at a conference, right? It'd be a little early in the relationship, but when you get to that point, it's definitely okay to ask to speak to another client. Um, a really quick and simple thing to do would be a Google search. You know, just put in the agency name, put in the agent's name um, first by itself, then maybe try it with the word complaint or problem um, and make sure no red flags pop up. You know, you might see mentions from blog posts or there are a number of um, sort of watchdog organizations out there where people will uh, tell their stories if they've had a, a difficult situation or um, if a company has been sort of red flagged as not being reputable you'll be able to find those by, you know, with a, with a quick Google search. Um, so, you know, see what comes up. 
when you search their name. Um, and, you know, mostly it's, it's just about seeing what their experience is like. You know, do they know what they're talking about? Have they sold books before? Do they have a, a current client roster? Um, and here's a tip. No reputable agent will ever ask for money up front. You know, as I mentioned, if they agree to represent you, they will get a percentage on your advance in royalties, which is typically 15%. So if you are talking to an agent and they say, oh, I'd love to read your book, it's going to be a $100 reading fee. That is not a reputable agent. Okay, real industry literary agents don't do that. Um, you know, beyond that, sort of basics like chemistry, you know, you might just get a bad feeling about somebody or a great feeling about somebody. You know, do you click? Is this someone you would feel comfortable doing business with? Uh, certainly that matters. You know, authors and agents often form very close relationships. Um, working together uh, on your book can be very, very personal, right, and very intimate. Um, so is this somebody that you feel you could listen to and respect? Is this someone you feel that you can trust to really represent your best interests? And the last thing I guess that I would add just as a sort of small caveat to all of that is it is okay, and I, I don't think that authors should be afraid of working with a new agent or an agent who is working in a new category, um, just to make sure that they have their eyes wide open. So for example, an agent who has traditionally represented children's books might decide they want to start representing adult books. So they may not have a long list of, you know, adults, historical fiction clients, or they may not have, you know, recent books sold that are like yours, but they should certainly be honest about that. You know, they shouldn't try to hide it. They shouldn't be trying to, to obfuscate anything. They should just say, you know, I've been an agent for 15 years working in children's literature and I'm making a switch and I would love your book, you know, to be one of my, one of my new projects or something like that. If you feel that, all the other boxes are checked, um, you know, there's no reason not to take a chance on somebody that you feel good about just because they haven't necessarily done your type of book before. Right. Okay. I would imagine it's better to be with somebody who has done your type of book before, but that may not prove to be um, feasible for you. And if you've got somebody who is reputable and uh, has connections, but not necessarily in your particular genre, but they want to do your book, then you can always go for it. Yeah. And, you know, it's also where knowledge about an agent, like the agent versus the agency comes in as well, because there, you may be at a conference and you may be meeting a new agent um, who's there because they're new, right? That's the whole reason they're going to conferences. They're trying to build a client list. They're trying to meet authors. Um, that will often be the case. You know, the most experienced agents aren't generally going to go to pitch sessions and conferences because they don't need to, right? They've got plenty of people coming to them. So you may find people who are newer, but perhaps they're a part of a very large established agency that does have a very good reputation. So maybe the individual is new, but they're very enthusiastic about your project and you can feel safe because you know they're a part of an established team. And that means that they have more experienced colleagues to call on for help or introductions. Um, so it's all, you know, all these little pieces sort of come into play. Now, before you actually embark on finding a literary agent, what do you actually need to have in place to 
to provide to the literary agent, <clears throat> excuse me, to give yourself more of a chance of being successful? That is a really great question. Um, so one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen authors make is they hear that getting a literary agent can take a lot of time. Um, you know, could take three to six months, could take longer. Um, and then of course, once you have an agent, the agent has to shop the book to a publisher, which again, you know, can take a number of months or even years. So sometimes when new authors hear that, they think, oh my God, I better start sending out query letters now. And I won't expect that anyone's going to actually get back to me for six months so I can finish my book. And then of course, you know, what's the irony? Their dream agent contacts them immediately and says, I really want to read your book and they're not ready to send it. Right. I've, I've met many people actually in that situation and it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating and it's very sad because um, it either leads to rushing, which means the work won't be as good or you take your time and you take so much time that by the time you submit, the agent doesn't even remember you or might not have any room on their roster anymore. Um, so before you approach an agent, before you even send out your first query letter, I strongly recommend that authors make sure their full submission materials are absolutely as good as they possibly can be. So the query letter itself needs to be really strong and captivating, certainly, because in most cases, the query letter uh, or pitch letter is the first thing the agent will see. If that does not interest them and you and your book, they're never going to ask to see it. So that has to be really great. Um, and then it what you send after that really depends on the type of book. So if it's nonfiction, you're typically going to have a book proposal. Um, and if it's memoir or fiction, you're typically going to have a complete manuscript. So whatever that submission package is, fully polished, fully developed, strong, in car you know, engaging, well-researched, nothing half-assed, nothing to test the waters. Um, I recently heard an agent say that they were looking for projects that were 95% of the way there so they could be confident that the editor at the publishing house that acquired it would be able to take it the rest of the way to its best possible form. And they also said that most submissions they see aren't even 75% of the way there. So it's really, really important for authors to be as objective as possible and to be really honest with themselves because, you know, feeling done with something, feeling like I can't even look at it anymore, feeling like, well, I've been working on it for five years, it's time to let it go. None of that means it's the best you can possibly make it, right? That's an emotional decision versus you know, something that's actually rooted in the quality of the work. Um, so you want to make sure that everything has been developed and made as good and as strong as it possibly can be before you start sending it out to people. Now, you mentioned having all of this ready before you send it out and not assuming that if it's going to take three to six months to land somebody, you have that three to six months to get this stuff done. Is that sort of a, a pretty good rule of thumb that it takes about three to six months to land a literary agent? So most agents these days, because they accept submissions via email, um, things do move a little faster. And they also often will tell you in their submission guidelines 
what their typical response time is. So some, so some of them, uh, it's becoming increasingly common to say something like, if we're interested, you'll hear from us uh, within a month. If you don't hear from us within a month, it means we're not interested, right? They don't, sometimes they don't even send rejections anymore. They just tell you, if you haven't heard from us by this time, it means we're not interested. Um, other places will say, if you haven't heard from us within a month, feel free to follow up. I would say three to months minimum, three to six months minimum to land an agent, assuming that, as I said, everything is actually at the right level. It is 95% of the way there that you've put the time and energy in uh, to making it good enough. And also that you are um, practicing some of these tactics that I mentioned earlier and not just sending out like one email a week or something like that, you know, that you're, that you're really hitting, it's a little bit of a numbers game, you know, um, that you're really hitting uh, all the buttons and trying to reach out to people as much as possible. So three to six months minimum, it certainly can take longer. It depends on the type of projects. You know, if something is timely, three to six months is probably a good time frame. Um, if you have something that's not time sensitive and not particularly trendy, like perhaps um, a novel or something that's a little more uh, general self-help, you know, it could take a lot longer. It could be much more of a, of a love match, let's say, you know, that it's not something that people look at and immediately see dollar signs. It's going to be a matter of chemistry, of finding an agent who just really loves what you're doing and is willing to take you on. And that can certainly take time. And then the next step in the process for the literary agent to send the book proposal or manuscript or whatever on to publishers, and then for the publisher, for some publisher to say, yep, this is what I want, I, I want to accept this one, what's the time frame and average ballpark time frame for that portion, that stage? Yeah. Um, again, it can really vary. So I know, I know agents who have shopped projects literally for years, um, but they never gave up on it and they did eventually sell it. I know other people that have shopped a book and sold it within a month because it was a really hot topic and people jumped on it and they had an auction and it was a big deal. Um, I say that authors should expect at least six months to a year. Um, because it's going to take the agent time to schedule their lunch meetings and to send out the material and then for the editors to read it. The editors have things they have to do in-house, you know, to find out if there's any interest, if they're going to be able to make an offer. There might be, they might want to have the author come in. There's lots of things that can happen. And even once the offer is made, it can often take a couple of months to negotiate the terms of the contract. Um, and depending on the size of the house, like I can tell you at Simon & Schuster, there was a long list of people that needed to sign off on a contract before uh, the contract itself could actually be generated and sent to the agent and the author for review and signature. And that process alone could take a month or two if somebody important was on vacation or busy or whatever. So um, I, I say expect at least six months to a year, but know that it can be longer. If you really believe in your project, you know, traditional publishing is a slow process. Right, and then after the contract is signed, there's a period of time before the book actually comes out right? Which yeah, absolutely. can be 12 months, 18 months, or even longer. 
Yeah, typically about a year um, because publishers need that time to get the book into their catalogs. Um, again, it depends on the size of the publisher, but they might have a very large list and they may have sales representatives all over the country that will be selling those catalogs at different times of the year uh, to the wholesalers or to the, the different uh, book chains. So they definitely want to have plenty of time to plan in advance. Certainly there's publicity and promotional concerns um, and, and there's production itself. You know, they generally don't want to rush that process either. There's going to be uh, usually some type of developmental editing with your initial editor. There's going to be copy editing. There's going to be the book cover. There's going to be design and layout of the interior. There's going to be proofreading. I mean, there are many, many, many steps. So yeah, at least like 12 to 18 months, typically from when you sign a contract before the book will be even published. So when we add it all together, you're at somewhere between two to two and a half years after your book is written or your book proposal is written um, before your book actually is coming out. And that's on the fairly liberal side. I mean, it can be a lot longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, you know, some of it depends on that timeliness. If something is really trendy, if your book ties in somehow to a current event or, um, you know, let's say, for example, you wrote a book about the opioid crisis, which is on everybody's minds these days. There's been a lot in the news, a lot lawsuits, all kinds of things going on politically. Um, you know, a publisher might choose to rush a book like that, it might sell a little more quickly because the agent and publisher will recognize this is a hot topic. Um, so it can be a compressed schedule, but rush schedules um, are not ideal. It often means letting go of certain opportunities. It often is very expensive for the publisher. They have to pay a lot of additional fees to make a book happen in a compressed time frame. Um, but, it, but it does happen. If they really feel that it's worth it, they will do it, but there has to be a reason. Okay, and how much publicity and promotion do publishers actually do for authors? It totally depends. It totally depends on the publishing company, how large the publishing company is and how what their budgets look like. Um, it depends on the type of book, whether or not the publisher feels that um, this is something that they can make really, really huge if they're considering it what we call a front list title uh, versus a mid list title. They're going to put more energy and more money and more attention into a front list title. Those represent a much smaller percentage of any season's catalog. Um, the other books are more like the meat and potatoes, and they will typically get smaller budgets and a little bit less attention, and the publisher will rely a lot more on the author to do a lot of the promotion. Um, and of course, when you work with a larger publisher, they have a budget. When you work with a small publisher, they might be extremely enthusiastic and supportive and have great design and do great editing, and you may have a wonderful book, but they're simply not going to have the budget to do the kind of promotion that a large publisher would. So, you know, what they do for you may be extremely minimal, if anything. Right, and 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 now your book is out there, but it doesn't do very much for you unless you put a lot of um, your sweat and tears into promoting it. 
Absolutely, um, and that's why it is so essential, uh, speaking of things you need to do before you start submitting to agents, um, publishers really want authors to come with what we call a platform, a marketing platform or an author platform. Um, and it, how important that is and exactly what that looks like varies a little bit depending on the type of book. You know, if you're a novelist, your platform uh, has a lot to do with how you reach your audience. So what does your social media following look like? Do you have a mailing list? Have you won awards? Do you have uh, relationships with other authors who might give you an endorsement for your book or help you promote your book? If it's a nonfiction book, um, on, on some subject matter where you have expertise, let's say a health book of some type, your platform is certainly going to include things related to your credentials, right? People don't want to buy a health book from someone who's not a doctor or who's not a medical professional of some type. Um, you know, and again, how are you going to reach your audience? Do you have a speaking schedule? Are you already getting out there and getting in front of audiences? Have you done media? Do you have connections that you can leverage to get media? Um, do you have things like a blog or a mailing list that you regularly, you know, reach people who are interested in what you have to say? Have you published other books? Have you published articles? So all of those little pieces, we call them planks, make up, you know, if you think of, it's basically a metaphor, the planks come together to create your platform. And the platform is everything put together that allows you to be visible in a crowded marketplace. So you imagine you know, a big space full of people milling around and selling stuff. If you can climb up on a nice, big, high platform, people will see you. You have more visibility. You can stand out better amidst all the noise, which means you and your publisher will have a better uh, ability to sell your book. So, you know, that's where that comes into play. Right, which takes a lot of time and effort to develop. Yeah, it well, really does. If you're spending your time writing a book, it's difficult to also put time into all of these individual planks. It definitely can be. And, and this is uh, one of probably the most heartbreaking conversations that I often have with would-be authors is that, you know, um, let's say uh, in the nonfiction world, they are a professional of some type. Maybe they have a business or, or they work in a, in a, firm of some kind. Um, they certainly are subject matter experts. They have, you know, years of experience under their belts. They've had a great idea. They decided to write a book. They've spent the last two years writing that book, and now they want to get it published. And you say to them, well, the book is great. It's a really good idea. Nobody's going to buy it because no one knows who you are. And it can be very difficult to hear that the time you spent writing your book, uh, not that it, certainly not that it was wasted, but that you almost have to set the book aside for a little while and now work on building that platform before you approach a publisher. So when I have the opportunity to get authors very early in the process, and if there's anybody out there listening who is just thinking about writing a book or just getting started, let me save you uh, some heartbreak and tell you that the best way to do it is to be building your platform while you write the book. So that might look like using some of the content that you're writing uh, to create talks or workshops that you then present at conferences or to groups, you know, whatever is appropriate for your topic. It might mean 
taking excerpts or writing articles related to the topic of your book and trying to have them published in websites or magazines that are going to reach your target audience. It certainly means things like having a website, at least. Uh, social media, social media is a, a bit of a tricky subject. I think too many people are, are too focused on social media and they end up doing it wrong and they don't get a lot of results. The mailing list is really the key. Whatever you do, if you can think of activities that help drive people back to your website to download your free uh, email, email workshop or your free ebook or your free worksheet or whatever it is that you offer as a little incentive, so they sign up for your mailing list and you can grow that mailing list, you know, that is, that is one of the most important elements of your platform that will help you to sell that book and, and all of the activities that can contribute to that. Um, certainly it's all time consuming. I understand that all of these things do take a lot of time and energy and it might mean that it takes longer to write the book, but it's better, I think, to take, let's say, three years to write a book and build your platform at the same time and really be ready at the end of that period versus writing your book for two years and then being told, well, now you have to build your platform and having to set that aside while you then go and start building this platform for another few years. So um, hopefully that's, that's helpful to somebody out there. And do you have a sense as to the size that publishers are looking for the mailing list to be? If someone's 5,000, is that a decent mailing list? Are they looking for 50,000? What's the, what's the range there? Yeah, that's a great question. And in fact, if, you know, I, I speak at a lot of writers' conferences, and it is one of the most common questions that I hear. And, and like everything else, there is a lot of variety in the answers. But to give you um, some idea, if you're hoping for a six-figure deal from a big five publisher, from the largest of the book publishers out there, you need a large and engaged mailing list, at least 10,000. 10,000 will make them pay attention to you. To really get them excited, you want to have a lot more. Um, but everything is proportional as well. So, you know, if you have a 5,000 person mailing list and they're engaged and that you have a good open rate with your emails and people respond to you, you know, there's not just a list that you purchased, right? The numbers alone don't matter. It has to be people that the publisher feel like when you tell these 5,000 people your book is coming out, right? They're going to buy it. They're going to post reviews. They're going to tell their friends. That's what they're looking for. Um, you know, so if you have a smaller list, that's okay. It just means either that you need to work harder on your other planks to make sure that the whole platform is strong to make up for the fact that the list is not very large, or it might mean that you approach a smaller publisher. You know, a small, a big five publisher wants huge lists and big national access and exposure, a small or mid-sized press, they're going to be very happy with a lot less than that. Yeah, that national exposure, I mean, your, your mailing list is one aspect, but that national exposure is probably a pretty significant one for the larger publishers as well. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so you might not have an enormous mailing list, but maybe um, you have a list of people in the media or other professionals who 
have much larger lists than you. Maybe they have podcasts or they just have large mailing lists or they've written books or what have you. Um, and you can say to a publisher, well, I don't have a very large list, but these are five of my you know, best colleagues with whom I have very strong relationships and they've all agreed to help me promote the book. And this guy's podcast has 20,000 subscribers and this lady's mailing list is 50,000 and this person is whatever. Um, so it, you know, it isn't just about one piece. But if one piece isn't particularly strong, you definitely want to make sure you have other things to balance it out. Right. Great. Well, that's been really helpful. Do you have any other tips that you feel authors should know about in hoping to get an agent or a book deal with a publisher? Yeah, I, I think probably the best piece of advice is really to say, again, don't rush things. You know, I, I recognize and I definitely sympathize that it can take a very long time from the moment that you decide, I'm going to write this book or I'm going to write this proposal or whatever it is. Um, you know, that process can take a very long time. It can be draining. It can be isolating. It can be frustrating. It can be thrilling. You know, there's a lot of, of an emotional roller coaster writing any kind of book. Um, and I understand that sometimes at the end of that process, many authors can reach a point where they're like, I, I just can't put any more time into this. I need this to be done. I need to let it go. I need to put it out there. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, that's an emotional decision. And publishing a book is a business. And it's really important to approach it like a professional, uh, both for your own sake and also because it matters to the people you're trying to pitch. You know, when you approach an agent, that agent is already thinking about how they're going to pitch your book to a publisher because, of course, they make a commission on sales. So they're not going to take on any project that they don't really think they can sell. So they're going to look at it the way they think an editor at a publishing house is going to look at it. And all of these people are looking at you as a business partner. People think about selling a book to a publisher, but really it's more like asking, asking a publisher to invest in your book, in your product. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to come across as really professional as well. So it's really important to not make emotional decisions, but to try as much as possible to be professional, to be objective. Um, you know, if, if you're alone, hire a freelance editor or a consultant to review your material. If you can't look at it anymore, if you've made it the very best you can, hire a professional to give you some feedback. Attend a workshop to get feedback, right? Don't just ask your friends who have no experience and no idea what really sells a book. They're great for boosting your ego and encouraging you, but they're not gonna tell you whether or not that material is really ready to go out. And you're just wasting your time if you approach agents before your platform is established or before your submission material is really polished enough. Great, yeah, because it, it's, it's gonna take a long time for you to get your book accepted by a literary agent and a publisher, it's going to take even longer if things aren't well polished. And as you said, you need to have that platform. Or even if your book's great, a literary agent's going to know that most publishers aren't going to be as interested. That's absolutely right. You know, I, I often use a baseball metaphor when I talk to authors and I say that, you know, traditional publishing is like professional sports. Think of it like baseball. You don't just wake up one day and say, ah, I think I'm gonna join the Yankees. <laughs> you know, it, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of practice. Often it takes hiring a personal trainer, a coach, right? Which in, in our analogy would be like an editor or a consultant um, or even a ghostwriter. 
And you need to expect that it's going to take time and hard work. And frankly, the competition is extremely stiff and the odds are not great. People do get published. Publishers are always buying new, new projects. It absolutely happens. Um, but you, you gotta, you gotta really understand what it is you're getting into. It's not a simple process. It's not a fast process. Um, and in many ways it can be a very frustrating process. Even, successful best-selling authors you know you can just you can look up you can just sort of like look online and there are dozens of blog posts telling the stories of best-selling authors who were rejected hundreds of times right you and know soup for the soul i think was rejected over 130 some odd times before somebody accepted it that's right that's right and look how much you know look how much yeah. money look at the empire those books have generated so um so it's it's just you got to, like I said, treat it like a, like a business professional. Understand that just because you wrote it doesn't mean it's going to get published. Just because you worked hard doesn't mean you're entitled to a book deal. It's, it's a business. It's risky. Um, not everybody makes it. And you want to do everything you can to give yourself the best chance possible. Excellent. Excellent. So, Ali, if people wanted to follow up with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? I would love to hear from people. Um, so visiting my website, thewritersally.com, uh, right there on the homepage and throughout the site, there's various opportunities to download our free publishing checklist called Are You Ready to Publish, which takes you through nine steps uh, that we feel all successful book projects will go through. So that can sort of kind of give you a baseline for where you're at and where you might uh, be missing some items or some steps that you need to take care of before you go ahead and start submitting. Um, and there's also a contact form on the site so people can feel free to fill that out when they're ready. And I would love to hear from you. And uh, from there, we would schedule a free phone consultation so we can talk more about your project and your goals and see if we're a good fit. Terrific. Um, and again, that site is the Writers Ally, T-H-E-W-R-I-T-E-R-S. A-L-L-Y dot com. That's right. Terrific. Well, Allie, thank you so much for being on the show today. We've learned a lot of information here, very valuable information, and I appreciate your offer to provide that checklist to members of the Skill Bites audience because you want to make sure that you've got all the steps in place if you're going to go through this sort of not torturous, but difficult <laughs> journey to a literary agent and getting a publisher and to try to make it as, as smooth as possible. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.